Good morning, friends. It's great to be with you. Um, good to be back after a, a week week away for some vacation, so it's good to be back. Um, and today uh, we begin a new series during Easter Tide. It'll be a, a sermon series in worship and a discussion series uh, in the fellowship hall directly below us following service. I hope you can attend both and they'll kind of feed on each other as well. Um, and the series is called, Can We Talk About the Weather? We'll be looking and exploring what it might look like to engage in faithful dialogue with each other on a challenging topic, climate change. While this is a topic of urgency for humans in general and uh, people in faith in particular to discern and discuss, the greater hope I have for this series, friends, is that we might envision a way that we as people of faith can have civil constructive dialogue with each other across all the varying perspectives and viewpoints. The series is inspired by the work of preaching scholar Leah Shade's work uh, entitled Preaching in the Purple Zone, Ministry in the Red and Blue Divide. Next Sunday, I'll begin our discussion on the issue of climate change in earnest as I'll be inviting us as a congregation to reflect on this issue and join in a time of conversation following worship where we will engage in a practice of deliberative dialogue. This is a practice that's commended by the National Issues Forum Institute, which is a nonpartisan group that promotes public deliberation through intentional conversations in community. We'll keep explaining it. That was an earful and you're trying to, <laughs> to figure it out. We'll keep working through it together. Today, though, friends, we'll begin uh, our series by rooting this conversation in Scripture, reminding ourselves that God's Word has something to say on social and ecological issues and anything under the sun, but more so that God has something to say about the idea of transformation, the changing of hearts and minds towards God's reign, God's realm. A transformation that moves us to seek unity and fellowship with one another across all the varying divides in our world. So I invite us to hear a story of transformation, or rather of two transformations, of Ananias and Saul. In our first reading, we heard the familiar story of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus. In our second reading, though, we'll see how Saul's conversion isn't complete until he meets with Ananias, an encounter that will forever change these two men, the church, and the world. Friends, I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the ninth chapter of Acts, beginning with the tenth verse. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered him, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, 
For he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As a parent of young children, I'm often um, inundated in the world of children's literature, and one of my kids' favorite books lately has the wonderful title of The Smeds and the Smooths, written by Julia Donaldson. In the book, we travel to a far-off distant planet and meet two groups of creatures, the Smeds who are red and the Smooths who are blue. The Smeds and Smooths did not like each other. They refused to have anything to do with one another. But eventually, a Smed named Janet and a Smoo named Bill met and fell in love. But their respective communities forbid it, causing Janet and Bill to seek a life together somewhere else that would accept them. When their families figured out that they left their planet, they joined together in a diligent search across the the galaxies to find them, searching numerous other planets. Now, during the search, the Smeds and Smooths come to like each other. They found that the Smooths had something to offer the Smeds and vice versa. When they finally return home, the Smeds and Smooths are surprised to find Janet and Bill again. And they embrace them together back on their home planet. But they soon find that Janet and Bill are not alone. They're accompanied by their child, a small, purple, smooth smed. The story finishes with the smeds and smooths welcoming their new little brother smooth smed together. And that even grandfather smed and grandmother smooth hugged one another And they sang these two groups who were initially at odds with one another. They joined together in this song that ends the book. Play with the smeds, play with the smooths, play with whichever friends you choose. Then close your eyes and while you snooze, dream of the smeds and dream of the smooths. It's a wonderful book. Available in the library. Our scripture lesson from Acts this morning tells the story of two men, Saul and Ananias, who, like the Smeds and the Smooths, begin as enemies and end as friends, even as brothers. It begins with Saul, better known by his Greek name, Paul, and tells his well-known and celebrated story of his conversion on the road to Damascus. Yet the story begins in a pretty dark place. Did you catch the beginning of the first lesson that Elaine read for us? Meanwhile, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Next to the passion stories, this might be one of the most vicious verses in the entire New Testament. 
Saul's anger and rage against those who follow Jesus is so virulent sorry, that he is even breathing this hatred in and out. He goes on to seek permission to hunt down followers of the way, what um, followers of Jesus were initially known as before they started using the term Christian. He receives a vision, though, of the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, and he loses his sight and is taken into the city. Now, this is typically where we end the story of uh, Saul's conversion. But like I said, his conversion isn't done until he meets Ananias. But at this point in the story, Ananias, upon hearing from the Lord in a vision to go and find Saul, responds with fear, and understandably so. Remember, Saul is breathing rage and hatred and threats against people like Ananias. He says, essentially, wait, Lord, this guy is evil. Are you sure? Are you sure this one? He's our enemy. You can't possibly want me to go to him. For Saul, the story begins with breathing threats and murder against the followers of Jesus. For Ananias, it begins with trembling at the notion of reaching out to Saul. They see each other as enemies, so much so that a meeting or even a conversation would be unthinkable by either party. Friends, it's no secret that it has become challenging or even taboo to talk about a divisive issue in our day and age. We set up camps on opposite poles, we find our tribes, we dig our trenches deeper and separate ourselves accordingly red and blue, liberal and conservative, not daring to talk to someone who might have a different opinion on an issue other than ourselves. Yet what we find throughout Scripture, what we find and who we meet, is a God who is constantly bringing opposing groups and peoples together. The God we know in Christ calls us to come together with those whom we disagree I once heard a pastor make the point that God calls all of us to throw our jerseys aside, the jerseys supporting whatever team. On Ananias as their story unfolds. Thankfully, God sees it fit to bring Saul and Ananias together for Saul's conversion to be complete. This is a common thing Luke will do throughout the story of Acts, where two different people will each receive a vision on their own, and they don't quite understand it or or understand what it fully means until they come together and meet and talk about it. But this isn't just good storytelling. It's a reminder that we need each other to understand an experience of God showing up in the world and in our lives. Scholar Robert Tannehill says that when this happens in Acts, when two people each have a vision and come together to figure it out, God is working two sides of the same story. When they get together, something happens to both parties. They are transformed. They're forever changed. Ananias hears God's voice and is told to go to a particular house to find Saul and help him regain his sight. But also bring him into the community because God has big plans for this person named Saul. 
Something truly beautiful happens when Ananias finds Saul, and I don't want us to lose this. Ananias finds him and greets him by saying, Brother Saul. Just a few verses. Just a few verses. Ananias is transformed from perceiving Saul as an enemy to welcoming him as brother and laying his hands on him. There's no hesitation whatsoever by Ananias, no fear, no doubt, just love and acceptance. At this moment, at this moment of love, acceptance, Saul's sight is restored and he's brought into the community of believers. We often look at Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus as a sort of amazing grace story, from blindness to sight. While that's true, it also leaves out poor Ananias, who is absolutely crucial to the story of Saul's calling and conversion. It seems to me that Saul and Ananias are witnesses that the risen Christ can disrupt us from our complacency to truly change and transform lives. Remember, our lesson begins with Saul breathing threats and murder against the disciples, and after Following an experience of meeting the risen Christ, it ends with him proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God. Likewise, at the beginning of our lesson, Ananias is fearful of Saul and all that he represents, but following an experience of the risen Christ, Ananias seeks out Saul and calls him brother. Saul and Ananias remind us that the risen Christ can transform our lives from fear and hate to love and grace. Their witness challenges us to show this kind of forgiveness and love to reconcile with those we may be at odds with in our lives and in the world. Saul and Ananias, who are formerly at odds with one another, each receive a revelation from God. They find one another, then surprisingly become brothers in Christ, siblings in Christ. Their shared witness shows us that we need each other. We need each other to understand God's calling in our lives as witnesses of our risen Lord. Their witness shows us that the church is the place where we can gather together and are enriched by each other's experience of the risen Christ. They teach us that people of faith do not need to be the same, nor should they be. We do not need to all have the same education level, occupation, or political affiliation in order to strengthen each other in Christ. In fact, Saul and Ananias show us that, if anything, we need this rich diversity in order to understand how God's Spirit is calling us to serve in the world in which we live today. A rich diversity of witnesses to the risen Christ keeps us from being blinded by our own biases, that we might better understand God's voice and respond earnestly in faith. Over the next few weeks, we'll be exploring the topic of climate change, one that has certainly proven divisive in the public square, and also an issue that holds myriad perspectives concerning the urgency of what's at stake, as well as what we should do about it. We'll continue to look at climate change from a scriptural perspective, and we'll have an opportunity for dialogue together where every viewpoint will be truly welcomed and heard, respected. My hope, my prayer, is that as we approach this topic, we do so with the spirit of Saul and Ananias. 
engaging those with opposing viewpoints in conversation by calling them brother, sister, sibling in Christ. Perhaps then God's spirit might transform us, allowing us to hear those um, viewpoints that are different from our own and learn from each other how we might discern how God is calling us as people of faith to respond to this issue and others. Friends, if Grandfather Smed and Grandmother Smoo can go from forbidding their communities from even speaking to embracing one another in love, if Saul and Ananias can go from seeing each other as an enemy and instead seeing each other as a brother in Christ, perhaps, friends, we can find a way to have a conversation with those whom we disagree. Our lesson shows us that the risen Christ can truly show up and change lives transforming us to step out of our echo chambers and opposing camps and to behold each other as brothers, sisters, siblings in Christ. May their experience show us that we truly need each other in order to be followers of Jesus today, that we might discern how God's Spirit might bring us together to understand each other as beloved children of God and find ways to respond faithfully to the issues facing us this day. Friends, may it be so for us and for all God's children. Amen.